friends. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Today, we're going to have some dynamic thoughts from diverse speakers with a biblical viewpoint. Feel free to stick around and prepare to be blessed. Hey, friends. Thanks for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about the value of the church in these last days. Uh, you look at the news, you listen to conversations, you watch the reaction of people of God, not not even to say the world itself, but just the people of God and to uh, say that we are in a unique time to stand up for truth, to be salt and light, to be an encouraging word, and to uh, not uh, retreat. I see a lot of retreating going on. I, I see a lot of talking and people not really saying anything. And I want to talk today a little bit about poking the bear. And I want to think about the church being a bear. Now, before I get into that, I just want to say that we have such a unique time to have confidence in 1 John 3, 8. As we lift up Christ, uh, the powers of darkness are defeated and pushed back. But if we're uh, just living in our own understanding, if we're trying to be uh, compliant without an eternal purpose, then we will miss an opportunity. We will uh, we will bow to the secular agenda that's going on today. But uh, when we think about the church, what is the church? It's the revelation of Christ on the earth. It's the revelation of Christ on the earth. So when we see Jesus in the Gospels as he uh, ministered the heart and message of his Father in the kingdom, uh, he was very proactive. He did not shrink back. He did not uh, coddle to the world's agenda. He obviously gave to Caesar what was Caesar's, but he was busy and occupied with the mission of his father. And I think as believers, where we're uh, seeing church doors closed, uh, we are seeing um, just kind of this secular idea or this humanistic idea that the church is somehow an inconvenience or it's the church is like a bar, or it's like a social entity, or it's like a uh, another part of society. And that's totally wrong. The church is the pillar and ground of truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. So very thankful to see churches online and uh, seeing them uh, reach out as, as much as they can. And a few are doing that, but a great majority of churches are closed. And that is just a shame. That is just a shame. Because the church is needed, the people of God are needed. So somebody might say, "Oh, I'm the church," or, uh, you know, we meet in our house as a church, and um, and it, we're a church without walls. And and these are great statements. These are great statements. And we can be the church. We can certainly be uh, a ministry of Christ, one on one. But the corporate idea of the church is so needed uh, and so important. And the power of God rests on the unity that we have as brethren in Psalm 133. But uh, I'm what I'm talking about today is the church bowing down and retreating uh, and forgetting its identity. You know, someone that says they're going to close their church till July or something like that, or many churches have been closed for months. You know, it, it's, it's a shame. I mean, I talk to people, You maybe you've talked to people, and, you know, people are really discouraged uh, in some cases, the, they, there's churches with online practices, and that's awesome, but many are not. Many are just shut down and quiet. 
and uh, and they they're they're like a stone. They're like stone cold. But what is our mission in these days? You know, it's number one. It's not to forget our purpose that we are the revelation of Christ on the earth. We are here with wisdom, compassion, and just ministering truth to people that in such a day like this is so needed. People are dying physically, mentally, emotionally, and many are spiritually dying. You know, we see suicide up 400%. We see alcohol up 86%. We see domestic violence and domestic uh, trouble up exceptionally, triple what it was. So as a church, we really need to assess, uh, you know, what, what our mission is, and that is to continue teaching, ministering, disciple, discipling, loving, encouraging, and being the light and salt that we were made to be. Because, listen, society is not a reflection of government. Society is a reflection of the church. So in a day and age that we're living in, where in, in Europe, for instance, 3% of believers go to church. 3%. And this is why Europe is in such a dark place. You know, even in America, where we have a cultural Christianity, it's believed that only 8% of believers go to church. And, and, and what is that? Well, we have this technological age and we're thankful for it, or we can go to YouTube and get anything we want. And that's awesome. That's not a problem. But it's coming together uh, in Hebrews 10, 25, and seeing each other's faces, hearing each other's worship, uh, being discipled, being accountable. These are non-negotiables. These are things that are critically important and cannot be substituted. So maybe we have to get creative in these days, uh, but we must meet. We must come together. Now, now think about the bear, for instance. You know, I was just reading today, these bears, you know, there's the grizzly bear, there's the black bear, there's many different kinds of bears, but... Uh, you know, let's go National Geographic on us here for a minute. Uh, they are incredible animals, uh, you know, some weigh up to 1,500 pounds. And, you know, any hiker would say that's the last thing they want to see when they're on a hike is a bear. And, uh, but the bear has amazing characteristics. I mean, they are meant to obviously protect their young. They're meant to care for their young. They're hunters. Uh, they typically wander around looking for food most of the time. They can be territorial for sure, uh, but they uh, they even hibernate for long seasons of, of a time when when the food shortages is when there's a food shortage over the winter months. Usually, um, bears typically run up to 35 miles an hour. That's pretty crazy, you know, a 1,500 pound beast running at 35 miles an hour. That's uh, that's pretty uh, intimidating. You know, one, one person said that they're so strong that, uh, you know, they can push around a 700-pound dumpster like it was a toy, you know, uh, like a beach toy. Bears are very strong. They're very strong. They have a smell that's 10 times greater than a bloodhound. So, again, when you're out in the wild, uh, they can smell you typically before they see you or they can hear you uh, even, even earlier. They're intelligent, they're patient, they're persistent, and they're also problem solvers. Um, you know, the, even the way that their claws or their hand, they have these uh, six-inch claws that are not retractable, and they have great agility, and they're exceptionally powerful. They swipe at an animal, and it's usually, it's usually one and done. It's usually they're done. But when we consider uh, 
a bear, for instance, when maybe a hiker or someone comes up on them quickly not seeing them, they have a great sense. And if they're charged or approached uh, unwantedly, they will stand upright and their their size becomes nine, ten feet tall and they become uh, very agitated and they have their own growl and such. So the bottom line is don't mess with the bear. Don't mess with the bear. And I just want to say this about the church. If we could relate to uh, a bear in the church, <clears throat> if a bear is sleeping uh, or uh, preoccupied, you don't want to go up and start poking at it. You don't want to start going up there and provoking it. Uh, why? Because you will enter the wrath of the bear. Um, now, this might sound obvious, Captain Obvious, to many of us. Of course, we're, we're going to run the other way. Some will play dead. They'll just be very still and let the bear just kind of walk on by. But we're in an age where uh, people are provoking the bear. They're criticizing the church. They're snitching on the church. They are uh, observing the church in a, in a manner that uh, to tell authorities what's going on in the church. And, uh, you know, that, that is shameful. That is very shameful because the church is the revelation of Christ on the earth. Now, is the church perfect? No, Christ is perfect. Uh, we are imperfect people gathering around a perfect God. Uh, and this is a time not to provoke the bear, not to provoke the church, not to criticize the church. Why? Because the health of a church is based on the Bible, based on the teachings of the Bible, based on the quality and expression of, of the Bible. So if, if, uh, if a secularist or humanist or an atheist, agnostic, they look at the church, their idea of the church may be very cynical, sarcastic, and, uh, and their, their assumption of the church might be, uh, you know, very much wanting. But Christ is saying this, listen, don't mess with the church because you're messing with me. So we uh, see that in Psalm 105.15 that it says, Do not touch God's anointed. Do not harm my prophets in First Chronicles 16.22. Now, that is not only speaking about the church. That's speaking about people of God that are saved, that are walking in faith. They have an anointing in First John 2.20. You have an anointing. So when someone criticizes you or touches you in a harmful way or uh, is sarcastic and um, uh, they are, they're acting to do you harm, to assassinate character, God is saying, when you do that, you are touching me. And we see that uh, in the life of Saul when he was in Acts, uh, you know, five through seven, he was warring against the church, breathing out threatenings. And, uh, and the Lord knocked him off his horse. He made him blind and said, listen, who are you to kick against the pricks? You know, you are touching me when you touch the church. So just like a bear, it's like when the bear is caring for its cubs, when the bear is maybe hunting for its food, or uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, wandering on its way. If it's approached, it can sense, it can sense uh, danger. It can just like uh, an animal can sense or smell fear. It's very, very much the same connotation here. So when uh, when when someone criticizes or comes against the church, there is an outcome. And I'm not saying that the church has to be this, um, 
you know, revengeful entity, because it's not. We are busy with the work of God. We're busy preaching, teaching, loving, serving. We are discipling. We are Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We're propagating the gospel. We are uh, sitting with those that need to be heard and loved in Romans 12, 10. Uh, we're weeping with those that weep and, and rejoicing with those that rejoice. We're uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 3 through 7. We're rejoicing in truth. We're not easily provoked. We're thinking no evil. Uh, the attitude of the church, love, love, love. But let me tell you, God, God is a jealous God. So when, when myself or any of us, for that matter, uh, have a complaint uh, we want to go to the right people. We want to go to the right source. We don't want to just throw stones from afar because we'll provoke the bear. We'll poke the bear. And God says, I will answer that criticism. And in patience and perseverance, the bear may tolerate a lot, may tolerate a lot. But you know what? The wrath is pretty significant, pretty significant. And what do I mean by that? Well, we know that the Lord fights our battles. So again, we're not uh, provoked unto anger. But let me say this, God, will, those those actions will not go unpunished. So people snitching on the church, people watching to see if the, if the church is compliant, uh, really that's none of their business. And why do I say that? It's because um, there's an accountability before God and there's an accountability before men. And, uh, you know, we understand that people walk before God, Romans 14, 4. So if I have malice in my heart or clamor in my heart, then we that live by the sword will die by the sword. So uh, when we think about 2 Samuel 6, verse 7, Uzzah, a great example here, uh, disobeyed the Lord in how to carry the ark. He had a personal interpretation on how he was to handle this amazing holy peace that represented the presence of God. And instead of having the Levites um, carry the ark, he put it on a cart. And of course, when you do something different than what God has ordained in the pattern of Scripture, then you have to uh, improvise. And this is what Uzzah did. And as the cart was moving, it started to rock over the bumps. And when he touched the ark, the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he was struck dead. And David was very upset. You know, David's like, Lord, why did you kill Uzzah? Well, the fact of the matter is, you know, and David even was like, that's unfair. But the fact of the matter is, Uzzah, uh, first of all, did not, or David did not obey the, uh, the, the mandate and pattern of God, which was the ark of God was to be handled and carried and uh, touched in a manner of holiness and sacredness. And when we put our grubby hands or, or we try to help God in our, in our personal interpretation or we try to justify or humanize God, then the outcome is severe. It's severe. So uh, I know that's kind of a drastic example. Uzzah, Uzzah was maybe not, he was trying to help and be careful and conscious of, of the ark. But he was touching the work of God. He was touching the holiness of God. He was touching the revelation of God. And this is what this is a warning. This is a warning that we don't want to have the church criticize the church. Uh, let you know. Let the heathens rage in Psalm two one. Let let them wag their tail. God will deal with them. Our mission is to love, serve, 
uh, minister life, disciple, and to encourage people, uh, educate people, disciple people, and be the salt and light. We're a grace community. That doesn't mean we roll over and and you know rub my belly when things are 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 are, uh, are difficult. No, persecution mobilizes the church. Just read the book of Acts. Uh, so we're in an age when you know there are laws being made or or uh, suggestions, you know, not to sing in the church, close down the church, uh, don't have people um, uh, congregate in the church, have a certain percentage of people congregating. I think God will give wisdom if we're praying and seeking him on how to gather, uh, but doing it wisely. Uh, I'm addressing today uh, just the giving up, the retreating, just the Oh, we got to honor the government. We just got to honor what's being said. We got to pray for our leaders in Romans 13. And that verse is a beautiful verse, that chapter. But we also have to honor God before we honor men. And that's my real question today. Are we really honoring God? Are we speaking about God before men? Because if we don't speak God before men, then God won't speak to us. Uh, Jesus will not speak to his father about us. Like our, our emphasis today is God first honoring God first. And if I if we see something we don't like or we don't understand, then in Matthew 18, 15 through 18, we go to the person alone. We don't throw rocks. We don't slander. We do not malign. We do not gossip. And uh, that's so easily done today. Uh, e- even in our snitching world, we call up anonymously and, and rat out on people. That's You know what? That's something I recognize in the communist days when I was in the Ukraine spent many years over in the uh, Soviet bloc and also in China. Uh, And I've seen the underground church and I've seen, and maybe many of you as well, how they open the mail, they tap the phone lines, they snitch on each other. And there is uh, just great uh, personal violation of privacy. And uh, as believers, we got to have a real backbone. We can't be jellyfish in the sense of, you know, maybe we're not grabbing our American flag and, and charging down the street and crusading today, but we have to stand firm in the liberty where Christ has made us free and not to return uh, into the uh, into bondage in Galatians 5.1. And I'm just saying this is not a time in Proverbs 24.10 to shrink back. Now, again, our spirit is very important. How we project ourselves, how we handle ourselves, uh, we want to be responding to God and not reacting to men. Uh, so when the bear is provoked, and it will be, the church is, is under attack. It, it is starting to be uh, analyzed just like a hunter is seeking to kill, rob, and destroy uh, its prey. And the church will become a target, and it has become a target. But as a believer, we must understand the value of being the church. We must understand the value of our Bible. We must understand the value of our prayer life. We must understand the value of sharing our faith. See, the devil wants to shut our mouths, but that is not what's going to happen. So when we think about this, Matthew 16, 18, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Oh, they'll prevail against me. They'll prevail against you. They'll prevail against some secular idea or some ecumenical garbage. But you know what? It will not prevail against the heart and the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I want to make sure I'm I want to make sure I'm on the right page. I want to make sure I'm presenting the right Christ. I, I don't want to 
uh, say I'm closing down my church to honor my community. That's ridiculousness. Uh, you know, yes, we have different creative tools in our toolbox, but listen, our communities are being wasted. Our communities are, are, uh, are, are literally in a shamble. And uh, I, I want to provoke you today in prayer, and I want to provoke you today in uh, soberness, 1 Peter 5, 7, that the devil's looking to seek uh, whom he may devour. He wants to drink up and to render the church ineffective. Because in the communist world, uh, you know, I remember meeting these, uh, these dear people. And one particular gentleman, he was a preacher for 20 years. And he would have to submit all of his messages to the government and get approval on, uh, on what to preach. Like, what is that? Well, that's tyranny. That's control. And if there's not pushback, that's easily how things could go. Now, uh, again, the church became underground. It was hiding in the woods. Uh, I remember being in China and seeing underground churches and libraries, for that matter, uh, that propagated and kept the channels of communication open under great oppression. Well, we understand that uh, martyrdom is the blood of martyrs is the seedbed of the church. Now, I'm not saying we have to go radical here, uh, but we must prepare in our heart to be radical and to understand that I'm not just going to roll over. You're not just going to roll over, but we're going to understand that Christ is the head of the church in Ephesians 1.22. So when you touch the church, you touch Christ. Now, if there's rainbow flags in front of a church, listen, Christ is not there. That anointing is gone gone, Ichabod, the glory of God is departed. Well, you say, oh, different churches can coexist. We can coexist with the Muslims. We can coexist with the humanists. We can coexist with the, um, with the alternative lifestyle crew. Guess what? God is like, I'm a jealous God, and that is not, not the pattern we see in the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus said, I love you with an everlasting love, and with Everlasting love I have drawn thee ever unto myself. But listen, I'm not going to let you live in your sin. I'm not going to let you, uh, I'm not going to leave you where I find you. I'm going to lead you into your divine eternal potential. So churches that bow their knee to be more relevant or seeker friendly, be careful. Be careful because maybe that bear is dead. Maybe there is no more testimony of uh, there's no more fight in that bear. You know, a lot, you know, we talked about how bears hibernate. You know, they're always, when provoked, ready to respond. But you know what? Some churches today, they're dead as a doornail. And we see in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm sorry, in Revelations chapter 1, that their candlestick is removed. And there's no more salt, no more light. It's more of a social group now. Now it's more like, uh, we just get together and have a small group. And we just talk about the weather. We talk about, you know, whatever we want. But there's no Bible. Listen, churches must have a Bible preached. And that's the source of power in the church. If there's no Bible, then it's a waste of time. I don't care about someone's opinions. I don't care about someone's experience. It's got to be the Bible. Otherwise, it's not anointed. God can use testimonies. God can use experiences. Absolutely. But if there's no Bible, if there's no truth, if there's no Christ-centered, grace-oriented, love-filled expression, it's worthless. So Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians 5, 23 through 25, he gave his life for the church. 
he laid down his life to perfect the people of God in uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 26 and 27. Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 23 through 27, 1 Corinthians 12, 23 through 27, the body of Christ, believers coming together, the weak members, the, the members that need extra care, the person may be an eye, another person might be a foot, another person might be a hand. We all come together fitly framed in Ephesians 4, 16 to be the body of Christ, to be the revelation of Christ on this earth. Don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. It's like taking a, uh, a stick and poking a wasp nest. I did that one time when I was a kid. Uh, you know, the, the, what do the wasps do? They're, they're busy working. They're busy working. But if you jab at them, they will protect their own. They will respond. Now, again, I don't want to give the impression that the church is aggressive and a brawler. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that in these days, I want to be very careful in Ephesians 5, uh, in Ecclesiastes 5, one. I want to be very careful how I speak. I want to be very careful how I handle myself. I want to be very careful how I criticize another believer. Because if we do, Romans 2.1, if we judge another man's servant, if we, oh, I'd never do that, and we, we, we up and down someone based on what happened, and that sin that they committed will come off of them, and it'll be compound judgment on me. I want to be very careful, very careful in Ephesians 4.29 to have a right uh, communication. I want to have a language of love. I want to have a language of wisdom. Uh, and Because wisdom is crying in the streets today. And if you're a leader today in the church, a pastor, I'm praying for you. And this is not a time to be uh, Mr. or Mrs. Ecumenical. This is a time to be uh, to stand in grace and faith and love and patience and have a spirit of kindness, absolutely. But you know what? You're not, not going to push me over and say you can't sing in your church. What kind of ridiculousness is that? You know, we have to use wisdom and we have to understand what the real enemy is. And we know in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, the enemy is not people. The enemy is not people. Uh, the enemy not, is not even the virus in this particular case. The enemy is the systematic spiritual wickedness in high places that are trying to shut down churches, trying to shut down the believer, trying to shut down my personal walk, to try to put tape over the mouth of the believer. Listen, this is a time to be uh, intentional, prayerful, confident, uh, faith faith-filled, and, and believe me, maybe we don't have all of those things. Well, we can pray and ask for it in James 1, 8. We can ask for wisdom. We can ask for these things, and God will fill us. Well, I'm encouraged with you. What's, what's the work of the church? To ed educate people in the Bible, to disciple people in love, to be light and salt, to be a grace community, to propagate the gospel. You know, you know, I'm just provoked with you today about the criticism that's coming against the church. And, um, you know, listen, we don't have to defend ourselves. Jesus is our defender in Exodus 14, 14. But listen, I got to I gotta say, if, if someone's poking the bear, the bear will not respond uh, kindly, you know. And, um, and I'm, I'm happy with you to know that as we stand tall, 
in Christ, as we stand in the ground and pillar of truth, that that will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail. So today, as uh, we're walking circumspectly, as we're walking in wisdom, as we're walking in faith today, let's just be looking up. So this is where our redemption and help comes from. Let's come boldly to the throne of grace in Hebrews 4, uh, 13. Uh, let's come in 16 as well. Let's come with an attitude of confidence and let's just be careful on our actions and let's not back up, put up or shut up, but let's intentionally move forward in advance in these days. Okay, so maybe God is leading you uh, in a creative way of ministry. Online is great. Uh, ministering to your neighbors uh, with a paper trail, great. A mailing, great. But don't let it substitute one-on-one. We can be wise. We can be, um, we can be covered and and uh, social distance. We can do all of these things, but it does not give us an excuse to not do it. So today, wherever you are in your job, uh, in your family life, uh, in your ministry life, you have a ministry. You have an anointing. You have all that's needed. Uh, in the fullness of Christ, because Christ is the head of the church. And uh, let's uh, be wise in these days, not to render evil for evil, or lying for lying, or criticism for criticism, but let's uh, be kind, intentional, not apologize. We're not going to have an, uh, a theology of apology. That's ridiculous. You know, we're not going to have a, a, a theology of apology. We're going to be gracious in the spirit of Christ, but we're not going to apologize Uh, But we're going to project the revelation of Christ on this earth. So uh, just to stir you up today, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas season. And I hope this message finds you and encourages you. And God, help us in prayer to fill us with all that we need to keep lifting you up. And let the lost know, let the people that sit in darkness see a great light in Isaiah 9 too. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome.